0: does feel like we could we could do it in our sleep. All right, we're uh, we're back with another we're doing a best of series. Uh, we we have um, heard some of the team's selections on what they felt were, were the best because we're taking some holiday time off. So they wanted to chime in on what they thought their favorite episodes were the best of so uh, Jerry, it's your turn. You You want to yep. you want to you want to share with us what you thought your favorite episode
1: of 2022 was? oh without a doubt uh, for me uh, the the key one was roy Bilotti. The, the the conversation i thought was superb you know and actually all the conversations in all these podcasts are really good the the thing about it though was roy himself you know he's um he's from lebanon he's gone back to lebanon after the after the explosion to do what he can you know back in his home home country no. um but what he's what he's into could be a a key segment on CBS Sunday morning because <laughs> because it it focuses really on on doing good yeah his jobs for humanity um covers areas that no one else covers i mean he's got he's got a job board that that takes the you know um the, the toughest situations anybody could be in, whether you're in Ukraine or you can't hear or you have some other kind of disability or you you're you're emigrating from a, a tough area that's war torn from Syria or someplace like that. So to to dedicate his time, energy and talents uh, to trying to make that viable i think is fascinating and i think he's done an extraordinary job i i will say as long as as long as i've known the guy it's
0: like he's bucking for recruiting sainthood yeah (laughs) that's kind of the way i see every time he does it i see a little halo over his head and you know he's in a one of those
1: wonderful robes and you know he's just that that's roy to me he's just always doing good you know he talked about um prisoners for example and Mm -hmm. and having spent time um, you know, going to prisons to, to really better understand what he was getting into. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you just, you can't, you know, you can't pay for that. I mean, it just, <laughs> 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 it's, right. beyond, it's above and beyond is the point. It is and the so dude, dude is I it. enjoyed the conversation. I'm inspired by it. You know, it's it's the kind of call out that all of us should listen to on occasion and then ask ourselves, well, <laughs> what are we stepping up for? You know, and that's I think that's important. It really is. Yeah. If
0: we're not doing good stuff, what are we doing?
1: Yeah. So, all
0: right. Well, then let's listen. Let's listen in as we uh, as we had a quick chat and an interview about 20 minutes long with our friend Roy. So I met Roy, uh, I think when he was still at Smart Recruiters. And but but this, this whole jobs for humanity thing, I think, was just really starting to take off. Uh so, so Roy, why don't you why don't you give us kind of an escalator pitch for those who may not know who you are? Why don't you why don't you kind of tell us who is Roy and and why should we be paying attention to Roy today? And then I think we we kind of jump in because you're doing some really cool
2: stuff. And I think we should talk about it. Dude, thank you. Uh, like the the who is Roy part? I don't like talking too much about myself. So I'm just gonna stick the facts. Um, I was uh, raised in Lebanon, moved to the US when I was 17 years old, uh, went to Virginia Tech, and then spent the next 20 years um, in the US, mostly in recruitment tech. Uh, had a first startup called Fresh to help people identify what is the right uh, career path for you based on your natural skills and interests. Uh, failed at that four years later uh but then that really got me into smart recruiters because i used my own algorithm to tell me what are the best jobs for me um and uh joined smart recruiters at the seed stage pre-revenue and uh saw it grow uh all the way to where it is today uh an extraordinary product to be honest uh and uh, helped build the product the marketplace the conferences while building the conferences uh, hiring success grew to uh few thousand people, multi-day conferences. And I deep dove into what diversity and inclusion means, really diving into people from all walks of life. So I got to volunteer in prisons for 15 to 20 days at Pelican Bay State Prison. Wow. Um, got to see men get rehabilitated from it. Um, got to work with Lighthouse for the Blind uh, and spend time there to, to, to get a sense of um, really that invisible divide uh that 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 we don't realize that you know one in 25 people on earth have low vision uh, or are blind uh, yet you know i'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who's fully sighted who who four percent of their friends are blind uh so there is that big divide even though that the the lighthouse for the blind is on you know in san francisco it's on market and seventh like it's smack in the middle of you know civic center uh, but people don't know it and they don't end up seeing it, even though once you pay attention, you start seeing blind people walking all, all over. But, uh, and so the idea was how can you get them jobs and people from all walks of life, um, returning citizens, blinds, refugees, single parents, the, uh, the elderly, um, the neurodivergent. And so that's what Jobs for Humanity is. It's an expression of, uh, it's a, basically a, an employment platform where any employer can post jobs or we can post their jobs on the platform as long as, and Jerry harps on it, Chris harps on it, there's a code of conduct where you are going to give a good candidate experience and you're going to get back to candidates. If you yeah. do, you're welcome. If you don't, never mind. Um, and, uh, and then where job seekers can come in and feel safe and know that, Hey, these are jobs where I have been pre-welcomed that I can apply. And then comes the part where you connect the two. Uh Yes, there is, you know, a matching algorithm that can go based on skills, but there's a lot. There's there's an efficient, practical training that employers uh, could get could be given in an hour, to be honest, and then applied over a couple of hours where they come and train people. Yes, it's that simple. You can literally give diversity hiring training, everything through the talent acquisition funnel, and fair onboarding with enough adequate information so that you can create a safe space within an hour, but then in comes through one ear, out through the other. If you don't practice it, then you're gonna forget it. So that's where then we pair you with a couple of job seekers in your field of work, in your city, so that you can practice what you just learned and internalize everything. And from there, so you know. Let me make sure I'm hearing you right. So you're talking
0: about a one hour training session that will establish a baseline, right? A level set a minimum requirement to deliver an adequate if not favorable, candidate experience and improve favorable. your DE&I hiring initiatives. We yes. see a lot of organizations put their recruiters and even their hiring managers through this. And, and we've seen a couple who've done a really nice job of making sure that they, they certify and recertify on an ongoing basis for this piece. Because I think what you're saying, Roy, and I agree with you, is that if we just show it to you once and say, off you go, uh, it doesn't really stick.
2: Yeah you are not going to memorize it. And we could we could even do um, if you're curious about this, like, holy shit, an hour, Uh, we could I can give you a five minute elevator pitch on any one of the communities like you name it. And then I can just share a five minute pitch on uh, training. Yeah, uh, that'll give you get you 30 40. I want to go
1: through the hour. I want to go through the training.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Pick your community. Uh, Options are neurodivergent uh refugees uh blind and low vision I, I want to go through all of them <laughs> okay wants them all. Uh, okay all right um I am going to walk you through um you know well what I'm not necessarily do? now well, but tell me tell me how I get I to can, do that later we'll on, on. I, will, I will take you and through we'll... I'll take you through refugees for example okay. uh just because or, or honestly, do you think our audience would be most interested in refugees, blind and low vision, or uh, neurodivergent?
0: Let, let's do the blind and low vision, because we were talking okay. about that earlier. Yep. And then if we've got a link, let's share that and we'll send it out to the watchers and listeners for each of them uh, and talk a little bit about that. But let's hear,
2: the, let's hear the pitch on blind, low vision. You got it. I'm going to put it in the private chat so you can share it with everyone. Here's blind and low vision. You can click okay. on it and you can just toggle to any of the other trainings.
0: All right, i'll drop that in the chat while you're while you're giving us the pitch
2: okay all right let's start off with um i'm going to try to do this all right it's it's 4:12 my time here in london i'm going to try to by the 30 minute mark in the next 18 minutes you're going to learn who's considered visually impaired what are the top three challenges they face and how do you address them what are the top three challenges hiring managers face how do you address them what are the best practices during the interview and how do you offer like a fair interview how to look for skill and potential during the interview if you don't have and you still want to help how can you do that and what are the best on- onboarding best practices okay all right uh, here goes did you know first of all who is considered visually impaired that 285 million people worldwide are visually impaired among which 40 million are blind that's about four percent of the world population on 8 billion people um the unemployment rate in the US, can you guess roughly what it is?
0: Uh for acro- yeah, across the
2: board or just for those that are visually impaired? No, across the board. 3 to 4%,
1: something like that.
2: Yeah. Unemployment rate for the blind is 36%. So we're talking about six times the national no, eight, what the 9 times, nine. The, almost 10 times the national average. Um so there, the 300, 285 million people can be classified into blindness and low vision. Blindness means I cannot see anything. And then low vision means, first of all, it's a spectrum. But, uh, my but generally speaking, its sight is extremely limited, but some of it is, you know, usable. Now, um, what are the excessive, uh, what are the tools that I use in order to be able to see? So, um, if the assistive technologies I use, if I'm blind, it's a screen reader. So it did, it, it converts, uh, digital text into synthesized speech. JAWS mm-hmm. and NVDA are the most common ones. So, uh, if you've got documents, system tools, uh, check the accessibility on your phone or on your la- on your computer, there is text to speech that is kind of, I would say, uh, more modern than braille because braille is just going to be a bit slower, uh, than to be able to have someone, you know, convert a visual format into an auditory format through screen readers for low vision you've got magnifiers so the the magnifiers like uh, zoom text magic these would then allow you to you know if if you hit command plus 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 on your browser the screen gets larger um, those that don't do that and it gets all wonky that's not an accessible page they're very easy uh to to actually get get right because it's uh, the standards are already there uh to be able to make all your software accessible for the blind or low vision get a screen reader to read it not hard and being able to magnify it you do these two things you've included four percent of the world population where more than a third of them are unemployed all right now that we have a somewhat of a good sense of what are the uh, who's considered visually impaired what are the top challenges they face first of all one is they have a hard time navigating the built environment. Signs, texts are not accessible. Now let's bring this into your office. One thing you can do is just offer assistance with navigation. Um, second is they cannot see digital and electronic surfaces, computer screens, mobile, de- mobile devices, or read printed materials. So all you need is just one accessibility uh, expert to come and make sure that printed content is available online. Third is uh, finding jobs is a big challenge for them. And, mm-hmm. and a big part of it is because of the misconceptions. Uh, many companies don't know how to accommodate candidates who are visually impaired or may not be aware of the skills they possess. I'll give you a simple example. If, God forbid, I lost my eyesight tonight and I learn how to use uh, screen readers, by tomorrow would I not be able to do the exact same jobs or give the exact same talk that I'm giving today? I would. Blind people um, can do just about most, the vast majority of jobs, including computer programming, uh, including uh, building presentations and working on Excel. And most jobs uh, can be done by blind individuals. Uh, Actually, I have a friend who actually plays blind baseball. There's a thing called blind baseball. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a whole other story. So Uh, How do you address these challenges? Challenge perceptions and assumptions. Be willing to be patient and make the right accommodations for a blind person. Now, what are the top three challenges hiring managers face? We touched upon the first one, which is limited knowledge about what a blind and low vision person can perform. I can assure you, and many of them can assure you that they can do just most jobs inside that people can. So misconception, just myth. Second is knowing how to provide the right accommodation. If you go to askjan.org, so that's the, it's a free resource called the Job Accommodation Network. Then you'll be able to find the right accommodations that people need. Then third is how do you create accessible documents and communications for people with uh, with low vision uh, or wild blind? Then it just takes a little extra time to understand what, the, you know, how to format for accessibility. But uh, if you try, for example, Microsoft's built-in accessibility checker uh, in their Office products, you'll have everything you need. All right, now that we've covered the top challenges uh, and you hear like, okay, that's not too hard, let's do it. I went on askjan.com, I read through it, I'm good to go. Um, Best practices during the interview. So in-person and virtual. So when you're meeting someone in person, identify yourself, speak clearly to the candidate, normal pace and volume. Let the candidate know where you're standing or sitting. If you're going to shake hands, tell them that you're extending your hand. Ask the candidate if they need assistance walking to the interview room. It's okay to ask, it's actually encouraged to ask. If the interview involves completing anything online, let them know in advance so that they can use their own devices and assistive technologies to go through it. And if they have a service animal, the service animal is working. Leave it, let it be. Um, Virtual interviews. Webcam may be part of your process, but be uh, flexible with candidates who are blind and low vision in case the webcam is not on or if they're not centered on the screen. Just tell them to turn it a little bit and I'll be all right. Um, If the interviewer is on camera, um, just give a be inclusive and provide an image description of yourself. And if you're sharing slides and contents, try to voice over. So describe what you're seeing in real time. Just like right now, I'm opening the jobsforhumanity.com website, went to the training and then clicked on blind. And in here, I'm looking at a video with the text that's basically narrating what I'm telling you. Um, which is interesting because you may not have had this picture in your mind before I told you that that I'm reading something and I'm narrating this to you because you're just seeing me. You're kind of blind to what I'm seeing, right? So the description, as much as it's helped you, when someone can't see permanently, then that's very, very helpful. It just brings a lot of color to everything. Now, when you are interviewing them and you want to look for skill and potential, how do you do that? First things first, don't focus too much on the visual elements of a resume. Content is more important. Screen readers won't always catch spelling mistakes, so it's it's okay if someone misspells uh, a word, like for example, uh, decorative. the right decorative. Surprise, surprise. That's all right. Um, there are minor errors that could be connected with feedback. Don't hold it against the candidate, and then just listen to the skills that they bring. The soft skills, when you're talking about, you know, tenacity. The ability to persevere. Uh, you can ask a bit some examples, and then you'll be stunned by what you hear. And if that's really important for you, that's pivotal. Uh, you'll you'll see these skills. If you want timeliness, the ability to collaborate with people the, uh, in a team, ask about these these things, and you'll get a sense of their potential and their skill and how that complements what you're looking for. But
0: Roy, Roy, let me jump in and ask you. Like these are be a good human tips, but they're also some of the most basic things that you would tell a recruiter who's conducting an interview or a hiring manager, who's bringing somebody in for the first time. So why do you think in the, in the work and research you're doing this, why the gap here? Like, why do we think that these get missed? Uh, Certainly on the front with help, you know, helping people with special needs or abilities, like what, why, why such a large gap? Why 10 times the unemployment rate for, for folks who might be sight impaired?
2: Uh, mm, It seems seems extreme
0: to me, it seems super extreme. It is.
2: It is extreme. Uh, Two reasons. I'm going to give you the employer perspective and then I'll give you the candidate perspective to the best of my knowledge. Keep in mind, I'm always learning. Like tomorrow, I'm actually going to be spending an hour with uh, an accessibility coach uh, and a career coach who is blind to go over all the content and then see if anything we we can improve on anything and then keep on building it just to build our knowledge. This proactivity, this proactiveness that I'm showing, is the opposite of that is the biggest culprit. The Mm. biggest gap is because I'm afraid to take a chance. I'm afraid to be wrong. And when you're talking to someone who um, has such a high unemployment rate, and as you can imagine, it's probably an 80, 85% underemployment rate, then take a chance. That'll be super, super, super welcome. They don't often get people who give them a chance. So if you are listening to this, uh, realize that inactivity is the biggest reason from your pers- from your side, because all the training is ju- I just shared it and uh, peer reviewed by uh, the uh, head of uh, ac- learning and ex- uh, learning and accessibility at Spectrum, seventy thousand employee company. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, through your through uh, uh, Jen uh, Tracy, uh, she's introduced me to Stacy, and then also through, uh, the career coach I'm going to meet tomorrow cause he saw the content and told me just about right. So that's all you need. And then on the other side, from a candidate's perspective, and this also goes across all communities, not just the blind. Um, what I'm saying uh, is, uh, oftentimes it's, it, when, when someone doesn't extend a hand to you, you, you're probably going to try and try and then stop. At some point, you're going to stop. At some point, you're going mm-hmm. to fall behind. At some point, you're going to be with your own group. And the rest of the world is going to be foreign and, and far from you because they never learned your language. They never learned to open up to you. And then they're afraid to do that. And then you have this invisible wall. for The, 4% the, of the,
0: the, the tribalism sort of kicks in. Yeah, well, and then We end up sticking with people who are more like us than that are not like us.
1: Well, I also also add to the fact that we don't train recruiters around this. There's very few companies that do. And and as you pointed out, Chris, uh, sometimes it doesn't stick if you just went through it and didn't actually experience doing it. So so one of the one of the key issues, and I did some research years ago in terms of where exactly what Roy just talked about, how accessible that information was as a masterclass. And fundamentally, it does not exist in the United States, other than uh, there's a few folks who can do this. But by and large, it costs significant amount of money. So it's a big training cost. I think I think a series of master classes on the different types of disabilities and how to interview them more effectively and then certifying, if you will, um, recruiters that they they get a little certificate that they now learn something uh, would give them a sense of uh, uh, power in terms of that.
0: I agree with you, but I'm going to push back a little bit and say that I think if we, we can hit recruiters all day long, but unless they're in an organization where the recruiter gets to make the hiring decision, it comes back to the hiring managers. And if we don't train the hiring managers in the business units, on how to how to care for even the baseline accommodations, right? The most entry of, of accommodations. Or I think what is, and Roy, I'm gonna go out on a limb here because I, I haven't done a lot of homework here, but the the concern or fear that productivity will be an issue or cost will be an issue for accommodations. If we don't tackle that, I think we can train recruiters until we're blue in the face. And it's not yeah, gonna be make-
1: There's a lot of variables, Chris, and all of them are critical and important. So there's nothing, what you're saying, I agree with 100%, but in part, the choke point starts with the recruiter who is uncomfortable going to a hiring manager. So if the recruiter had more, not only information, confidence, et cetera, and a willingness to step up. (laughs) We might start moving it, in the right direction, but
0: it's yes. chicken and egg.
1: I know it's chicken. and egg. I, I know, it's... It's egg. <laughs> I know. My, my favorite story is about uh, about 10, 12 years ago. I did a uh, I did a panel with about five panelists on disability issues related to this, and one of them uh, from Walmart was the head of uh, one of the recruiting teams, and he was blind, totally blind, and we okay. decided to pump the audience of of several hundred recruiters because he gave me the slides first he was the first of the panelists to give me the slides that he needed so so he also had a little box where little things came up so he could read them as braille and he he memorized but he also wrote an entire speech around what he would talk about with respect to the slides so I told him. I gave him a, a clue as to when I was putting his slides up and when I was changing them. So he looked at the, he looked at the screen, and then read from this box that he was hiding, and in an incredibly articulate way, gave a tremendous presentation about aspects related to blind <laughs> from a mm-hmm. recruiter point of view. And then, and the audience was totally clueless. And finally, you know, he. He mentioned, oh, and by the way, I'm totally blind so, and uh, and the audience, you can hear them gasping in, in the room. So, you know, I, I, we there's we need different ways, obviously, to be able to overcome a number of these obstacles. But I'm, I'm blown away, Roy, that you're doing this mm-hmm. kind of work, not just uh, creating a job board for this, but also engaging recruiters. In terms of upskilling their capabilities to obviously deal with this, and and I think um, I've got a bunch of ideas around that. But uh, <laughs> I'll I'll, um, I'll uh, send, you some no- I'm gonna send you some notes. I'm yeah. going to send you some notes, Troy.
2: I mean, this is this is at this point my life's work. That's all I'm doing. Um, I I launched one of those trainings. The last one we did was with Booking.com. Booking.com's uh, big shout out to Jolie um who, who, who told her team, "All right, uh, 21 recruiters joined, got the training. It was specifically for refugees. They really cared about uh, helping Ukrainian refugees find work. So we paired them each with. So we gave them a training, one-hour training, uh, on how to hire refugees. And the nuances are slightly different. Okay, um, it's not about you know blindness and low vision, but it is about. Uh, I think that this person is lesser, lesser than." Because I have a stigma there because the English is probably not as good as mine. I look at the resumes for, formatted differently. So I'm going to think lesser of them. The certifications I don't recognize. They don't have a network. Uh, I'm not sure about the legality of being able to hire them. Sure. These are the things that trip you. And they're not hard to fix. So once you get past that, and it's not that hard. And besides that, for on, from an onboarding standpoint for a refugee, don't do anything outside of offer them if they want some culture and English lessons from like, you know, outside, but like don't make them stick out like a sore thumb like they're a refugee because they never asked to be a refugee. They were, you know, Karim living in this or, you know, Senya living in Ukraine. And now they are in this place with that label. They don't want that label. They never asked for that label. They just want a job and treat it like everybody else. And then uh, maybe some help with with English language because they really they had they had to adjust very quickly. But that's that easy. But then you can only really understand your biases when you're automatically paired with a job seeker. So they repaired them two job seekers in their field of work, in their one in their city, the other one in Ukraine. Lo and behold, six weeks later, when we checked in for you know the second time to see how, how, how things were going, out of the 42 refugees, 10 of them found jobs. Another 20 got interviews. Recruiters celebrated, like you can imagine the cohesiveness within that team. They started to love their job again. Uh, and then it, it changed so many lives. And then we asked the, the, the job seekers how many dependents on average is like one and a half per. So changed the lives of, you know, 40, 50 people in one cohort over six weeks. So this is something that we're doing every month now.
0: And Roy, let me ask you, if I, regardless of which side I'm on, if I'm on the recruiter side or the candidate side, and I want to be part of that sort of reverse recruiting, sort of that, that initiative that you've got going on, how, how do
2: I... Get into play. How do I get to participate? Just contact us. On go to jobsforhumanity.com. Then contact at the jobsforhumanity.com. Let us know. Uh, any job seeker who applies, we ask them if they're interested in uh, in being in re- being coached. So we have you know a long list. We obviously have a lot more job seekers. Actually, I was thinking seventy thousand. We're closing in on a hundred thousand by the end of this year, and then then recruiters. So specifically for recruiters, if you're interested, you know, if you feel like you don't, you not you enjoy diversity and inclusion and that's an important topic but you don't feel like you've got the skills yet we can upskill you and 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 and, tra- and and pair you and then you'll learn those skills within 5 6 weeks you'd be in a in a much stronger shape and you would have literally changed lives
0: well and is there is there a cost associated with this for the employee? how does this work uh
2: you know so, so far if i yeah i get involved the budget that is so far, so far, what we've done so far, we wanted to prove that it works, and we so we've we've done it so far for free. Uh, but now that we're doing it on a monthly basis, I'm gonna hire someone full time to do that, and I'm gonna start paying the trainers rather than tell them like, could you help? Like, I wanna give them, you know, 80 bucks for the training, uh, or 100 dollars. So like, not not very expensive, uh, honestly, and, and exceptional people. So we'll we'll start putting on a charge to it. We haven't fully uh, digested what exactly that would be, but. Uh, reach out to us and we're going to have one cohort after another. And then if an employer wants to come and sponsor this, you'd be better off for it.
0: All right. I love it. I love it. Roy, let me ask you, uh, as we, as we wrap up here, right. And we've got, it's the jobs for humanity, jobsforhumanity.com. Uh, much easier to say than recruiters recruiting recruiters, which now I never fumble on <laughs> by the way, but jobsforhumanity.com. We've got some other links we've put in, in the live chat. That'll be in the transcripts. They can check them. Uh, but but let me ask, Roy. I ask everybody this before before we say goodbye and depart on the show. If you were going to write a book about this topic, about the work that you're doing today, Roy, what would you title the book?
2: Wow, um, that's a great question. Um, this humanity because we're 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 in it for this reason it's not about changing too many people's lives it's about changing yourself and being the best person you can be be more human rather than too process driven and then take a step back be more human upskill yourself so that you can be the better best version of yourself that you can be and you're literally looking at a person like a human and uh and giving them a better humanity so i'll probably call it humanity i love that Roy. who gets the first signed copy <laughs> uh, you get the second, Jerry gets the first. Jerry's my. First. <laughs> <laughs> Jerome, there Jerome, are people more Jerome, than the answer. Jerome's I'm up there. Jerome Turnick. Jerome Turnick's my my mentor. Uh, he gets there. He gets He gets uh, right. I just love Jerome. Jerome's
0: a, that's the guy that every time I walk away from talking to him, I just feel better about the planet.
2: He's just, he's just that guy. Yeah, Jerome is. Uh, I was. I soaked every minute of. Him managing me, and I just try to emulate him and any any chance I get. So, if uh, if 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 I if I show any kind of like you know leadership and inspiration, uh, I've got i I've got a I'm standing on the shoulders of a giant. Good stuff, man. I love it. I love having you on.
0: We got to have you on more often because it's just fun to like, catch <laughs> up with you. And granted, you weren't in a you know food shack in the in you know some <laughs> other country somewhere in the, the middle of a jungle, but uh, <laughs> it, it was nice to catch up with you in London.
2: Thank you, Chris. So good to see you, man.
0: Good stuff. Hang out for a little bit. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to put you in the green room. And Roy, again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Such gratitude. I appreciate Thanks. it. All right. So hang out in there. I just want to share a couple of things really quickly uh, that we've got coming up in the future. Obviously, you can see this. We've got uh, wrapped up with, we've got an internal mobility recruiting meeting that's coming up for our members. Uh, we have a solutions spotlight uh, with our dear friend, Chris uh, Chris Foreman, who's over at AppCast, obviously coming up November 3rd. Uh, if you're in love, that's right. The book club is back. Uh, you can check that out. We're wrapping up uh, the book with Inja Nugi, uh My Life in Full. Uh, fantastic read. I think you can also get it on Audible if you're if you're wanting to read it that way and subscribe to it that way. You can do that. We've got a workshop coming up uh, with Jason Lauritsen, whom we're a big fan of. That's November 10th. Uh, and then up next on the podcast is Equity Equitable. Uh, and we're super excited about that. We've got Rob and Catherine coming up, and that'll be on November 15th. Uh, if you are not already aware, it's cxr.works. If you want to see what we've got ahead, it's cxr.works slash events. And if you want to catch more of these podcast show and see what's ahead, I know this is going to shock you. It's cxr.works podcast. And until then, we'll see you next time, folks. Hang in there. See you online.